This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. It is Monday. It is 7.10 right on the bat, which means time to bring in Don Robertson from the Dundas Real McCoy senior hockey team from Com Choice Realty from a variety of other ventures around the great metropolis of Dundas. Donald, thank you for coming in. Thanks, Scott. I don't know what all those other ventures are. I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) They vary from day to day. I know you've been busy and not arrested, so all those are good things. (laughs) Uh, I don't even know where to start tonight, because let's let's start with the the, uh, Toronto team that got knocked out of the playoffs last night, uh, which was a surprise to nobody. Toronto Raptors. I don't know. I don't know if you're a basketball fan or not. I'm. I. I was once upon a time. I was an enormous basketball fan back in the '80s and into the '90s with the Lakers and the Celtics and Magic Johnson. I loved with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I loved the Lakers. I loved NBA basketball. I've grown to be more weary of it. Quite honestly, I find the game a lot of times not that exciting. Because mostly because I've this is a league now that has become a league where if you have the superstar player, you win. Or a couple superstar players, you win. And we saw that again with LeBron James. So here's the question though, as I'm looking, if I'm Masai Ujiri, if I'm the general manager of this team, I've now lost to LeBron James twice. There is little evidence to suggest that LeBron James is going to retire anytime soon or is going to move to a different, take his talents to a different city, as he once famously said. So you are going to have to somehow figure out a way to beat Cleveland to advance any further than you have. And I see no evidence from this Toronto Raptors team that they are in a position to do that. And it looks like they regressed this year compared to last year. So if you're if you're the general manager of the Raptors, what do you do? Do you do you do you reach a point where you say we're we think we're close, we can make something happen, or do you say we got to just destroy the whole thing and start over? Because as we have it, there's no chance we're going to beat this guy. I just apply to play in the Western Conference. <laughs> well, that's no better because Golden State's there. You get even be- badly, more badly beaten up. They got three of the guys on that team. Well, the problem with uh, tearing it down and building it back up again is there's no evidence that there's the new the new young guys are going to be any better than the veteran guys they've got now. You've it, you're right. It's almost impossible. It, it, you akin it to uh, Gretzky when the Oilers were so good. He had a tremendous sporting cast. But if you couldn't stop Gretzky, you couldn't beat the Oilers, and that's just the way it is. But they also had Coffee and Messier and Curry and Anderson and Well, they won it Fuhr when he left. They won it when they left. Yep. Yep. But it's I I, I just look at the at the team that they've got. I look at this team and I think you have no chance to advance. I mean, they they looked like a really good team in the regular season when LeBron James and the Cavaliers were, uh, or the Cavalier, as you might like to call them, um, when they looked like they were disinterested because it was just a regular season. Well, they were bored. When they started to try, it's not even a competition. I, I, I mean, I know how I'd beat Cleveland. I'd look up Tanya Harding's ex-husband and Hiram. Jeff I mean, Galuli. Jeff. Bring in Jeff Galuli. We're going to kneecap LeBron James before the game. That I, might be the only way to beat them. I mean, when they're that good, he doesn't even need a great supporting cast. It's not bad. It's not as good as when he was in Miami. Nope. But, but he has he has guys he, he has guys that can shoot from the outside. The Raptors don't. There was a lot of things wrong with this. I just I look at this team and I think if you're in a market like Toronto that has grown with basketball, you've got the you don't want to give away all the momentum fan wise you've got. But if you can't ever advance past this 
stage, are you really being successful? Well, all, the bad part is I, I don't know how much worse the Raptors are this year versus last year. The sad part is I think the Cavaliers are better. That's right. The gap, which the is gap even is worse. Bigger. The gap is bigger. And and the one thing that you could say, if you were to say on any team, when you look at the opponent that you just cannot beat, if you, and the, if the gap is, as you say, bigger and bigger, and it's because of one person, at some point he's going to have to retire. If you were to blow this up and give away uh, your star or a couple star players for some really young guys or some draft pick, top draft picks down the road, maybe, maybe you say, okay, we can rebuild so we'll be really good when he is a diminishing asset, right? We can maybe be really good again when LeBron James is no longer in our way. I think that's what the teams that can't even beat the Raptors should be doing. I think if you're as good as the Raptors, and they're not, I mean, they're not uh, the worst team in the league by any stretch of the imagination, it's, no, they're very good. They're a very good regular season team. You've just got to find, I guess, probably a big man that you think can stop him. I don't know if that guy exists. I don't think he does because they went out and got guys that were supposed to be that, and he still went off. I just I, NBA basketball is to me. There's a couple things. One, and and someone else. I read this today, and it was I can't remember who wrote it. It was a very well written piece. Uh, I wish I could give credit. Um, pointed out that the difference between hockey, football baseball especially, and basketball, is that with basketball, if you have the best player, he is on the court 80 to 90% of the time, yeah. and he can have the ball in his hands on every single play. Possession, yep. And if you don't have someone that can match up with that guy, he can just take over the game. You can't, in baseball, yes, a dominant pitcher. That's once every five days. Not only is it once every five days, but he can only dominate on the defensive side of things. He can't win you the game with his offense, usually. Not in the American League. Babe Ruth could. That was a few years ago. <laughs> Just a couple. But no, it's, it, and so, so your pitcher can be a dominant, dominant player, but you're right. It's once every five days, and it's only on one side of the ball. LeBron James is a good defensive player. He controls the offense, and he's on the floor all the time. So you just can't. If you're Toronto, I see no evidence that Toronto is close to being able to beat Cleveland. The only way they beat them is if LeBron James gets injured before the next playoffs. Yeah, what you want to do is, you don't, first of all, you don't want to face them in, in the conference semifinals. You want to at least get to the finals and hope you can upset them. Maybe he gets tired. Maybe he gets worn down. He, then he would have had to have played two series. But he's a horse. And he's a tremendous athlete. You know, you were talking about uh, Larry Bird and and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, those guys aren't even in the same breath athletically as LeBron James. I mean, no, there was there was some... Um, those guys were just great big guys that could dunk when everybody could even dunk back when they started. Back when those guys were at the, just at the end of their careers, there was a guy who came along who was playing for the Utah Jazz, Carl Malone. Great player, was on the, the dream team, the first dream yep. team in Barcelona. And Carl Malone was that guy that at the in the time... Everybody was blown away by his physique because he was just, he was built like he, he was built like a football player or almost like a bodybuilder in some ways. And that was not the basketball look back then. Guys were long and lean back in those days. And Carl Malone was the guy who was this just built guy. And now that's what LeBron James looks like. And that's what all the guys look like, quite frankly. Now. They're but, all huge. But, but LeBron James was that, is that guy with even more skill and more ability to dominate and more height and more everything. And I, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm, first of all, 
I don't know how long, you know, the, the fans get excited about a team that's on its way up. I don't know how long the Toronto fan base, the Raptors fan base, is going to be feeling the same buzz and the same level of excitement when they look back at the end of this year and they say, we're further away from a championship now than we were a year ago. We're The gap between us and the best teams, and, and even if you had somehow got through LeBron James and had to play Golden State, there was no chance in the world you're beating Golden State because they've got three guys who are MVP candidates. The One of the big differences in athleticism is when, when you enjoyed the game, there were still hook shots. Well, that's not why I enjoyed it, but yes, there were. Right, no, but, but the game was totally different. I'm, no, I'm just saying back then there were. I didn't, I'm not saying that was the greatest part of the game. No. Some of these, I mean, Spud Webb was the first little guy that could dunk. These guys, some of them now, they, I mean, they go up at the, at the three, uh, free throw line and dunk from there. I mean, they, the just, they fly. They're just. But it's, but to me, the game, the, the way the game has changed and what's made it less appealing for me, to be very honest with you, is that back in those days, and I could name you still most of the guys on the teams that were the really good teams because you had teams. If Magic Johnson wasn't going to beat you that day, Kareem was, or James Worthy was, or Byron Scott was, or Michael Cooper was. You could go down the list of the guys in the Lakers, or Kurt Rambis, and on the Celtics. You had Larry Bird, and you had Dennis Johnson, and you had Robert Parrish, and you had Kevin McHale, and Danny Ainge. You had guys, the whole team, it was a team sport. Yes. I don't get the sense when I watch the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have guys who can shoot from outside. They have guys who can do things. But it's LeBron James, and it's a little bit of Kyrie Irving. It's, a, it's an individual, it's a much more individual sport now. If you have the player, you can win. Even, Matt, even Michael Jordan couldn't win by himself. He had no, Scottie he had Pippen, good, yeah. and he had other Rodman. guys around. He had Rodman. It, Michael Jordan, of course, I'm not taking anything away from the guy, but it, it was a much more, t- he, and remember, he had to play the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys, the, the, yeah. the, and with, with Isaiah Thomas and Bill Lane Beer and Rick Mahorn and all these guys. It was a team thing. Now I look and I go, if you don't have the best player, you don't win. And the Raptors are never going to have the best player. Well, they've got to draft them. You have to, well, I mean, and how do you draft the best player? You have to you have to do what the Leafs did. You have to finish last in the year when a superstar is coming out, and then you have to win the draft lottery and hope that all the rumors over the years are not true. That it's not fixed. Yeah, and they don't want them in Toronto. That's right. And and are you telling me that if the if the like the the big belief now the NHL to me has proven beyond any reasonable doubt that the draft is not fixed with the NF, with the NHL because. If the NHL draft lottery was fixed, there is zero chance Connor McDavid is playing in Edmonton. There is zero chance Connor McDavid is in Edmonton if the NHL draft was fixed. Gary Bettman would have wanted him in Arizona, New York. Take your pick at Chicago. I mean, any one of these. Now, Chicago wasn't in the draft, I know, but oh, in the right. lottery. But they wanted to make sure he was in a big market, not tucked away in Edmonton. Your analogy, I want to touch on your analogy of the difference between baseball and basketball and hockey and everything else. <clears throat> and I, I hate to always seem to bring things back to hockey, but if you take LeBron James out of Cleveland, they're not winning a championship last year. Or no. next, next year. They're not in the but, finals. But you take Gretzky out of Edmonton, they were still good enough to win. So you're you're so right that, that basketball is a superstars league. Because they can dominate so much of the time, they can play 
They can't play at all, but you're right. They can play 80%, 90% of the time and key everything around one guy with a support. You can't do that in hockey. It, if you Cros- have- Crosby was out of the Penguins lineup and they beat Washington. You take LeBron out, I well, the Raptors didn't look very good, but I'll guarantee you they they got a real crack at it. If LeBron sure misses two games, Cleveland probably can't win without him. No, I, I agree with you. And the thing with basketball clearly now is if you have the best player or one of, let's say one of the top, four or five players, but particularly the top player, and you can put a, a, some kind of supporting cast around that guy. Just a reasonable supporting cast, preferably with one other great player. And again, Cleveland had that with Kyrie Irving. If you can put one other guy around a great player, with those guys being on the court for pretty much the whole game, you can win. You can win. And then, again, the, the pieces. you got Tristan Thompson, who's a Toronto kid who plays center for Cleveland. Plays his role. He's never. You don't expect him to score a lot. You don't expect him to do anything. He is going to rebound, and he's going to be a big body out there and just bang around and make room for LeBron James. I I, I look at this team right now, and I mean, I watched yesterday. I watched most of the series with uh, with Cleveland and Toronto. I see no evidence that Toronto has any chance to win a championship in the NBA anytime soon. I see none because the gap between them and the super teams is too big, and my problem, my question, my problem becomes, what are you in the league for? Well, I was going to say, based on your analogy, half the teams should just fold. No, well, half the te- there are a lot of teams in the league that go in on the first day of training camp knowing there is no chance that they have any hope at all of winning, and that to me is not a healthy league. That is not a health. There's always going to be a couple teams or a few teams. There's always some bad teams in every sport that go in knowing they're rebuilding or they're at the bottom of the pile. Everyone knows that. But when I would bet you that of the NBA teams, 22, 23 of the teams this year, let's say 20, knew on day one of training camp they had no chance to win a championship unless Golden State's plane flew into the Bermuda Triangle and LeBron James' leg fell off. Otherwise, there was no chance they could possibly win. And, and that to me, so are you? if you're MLSE, if you own the team, are you simply saying we're satisfied making a lot of money and having five to six to eight playoff home dates and we'll live with that and make our money? Or are you saying, no, we actually want to win a championship? It's, it's, it's never a good thing for any league when the champion has almost been predetermined before training camps. Sports Illustrated, as we go to break, Sports Illustrated wrote a piece online this week setting up and previewing the NBA final between Golden State and Cleveland. There's two rounds to go before that happens, and they've just skipped right ahead and say, no, no, this is who it's going to be. Don't worry about it. Let's just preview what we know. And there won't be any pushback. Because they're right. They could have wrote wrote that in October. They could have written in October, and the only thing that would have got in the way is if LeBron James had a, some kind of long-term season-ending injury. Oh, or as you said, if he's only got one leg, he's not probably as good. Or or if Golden State had had a few injuries themselves. That's that's, that's They the need o- multiple injuries, though. Th- they need multiple injuries. It is, uh, t- to me, it's to me. unfortunately, it's not a healthy league. And I, I, as I say, I was a huge basketball fan once upon a time. I am more than open to be going back and becoming a huge basketball fan again. I just see nothing there right now. I would much rather watch a college basketball game. Much rather. I'd much rather watch March Madness than watch the NBA playoffs. Well, it can be a lot more exciting. And you can get upsets. Exactly. And, right. there, and there's not, and there's not um, um, dominance. There's not 
Well, there are dominant teams, but you're right. There can be upsets, and we've seen it many, many, many times in the in the March Madness that you have a team that is supposed to be great that gets toppled. We've seen it many, many times. Not so much in the NBA, not lately anyway. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. A lot of talk yesterday on social media, a lot of sarcastic comments, a lot of biting comments, a lot of angry comments about Mark Bergevin, who is the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, because he made a trade in the offseason last year. He got Shea Weber and uh, gave away P.K. Subban, and P.K. Subban's team, the National Predators, are now on to the semifinals. Does that, does the fact that the Predators have advanced and the Canadians were bounced very quickly, does that make it a bad trade? No. Should Mark Bergevin be embarrassed that P.K. Subban is in the semifinals and he's golfing? I don't think so. I mean, there's lots of things Mark Bergeron should be embarrassed about. I'm not convinced that trade is the is the thing that you hang it on. I so mean, it's not a measuring stick? I don't think it's a true measuring stick. I mean, obviously they felt that he didn't fit into their plans or their organization. Um, I think we talked about it before. Taylor, Taylor Hall is in New Jersey. I mean, they didn't make the playoffs again. They were in the lottery. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad on the or on Ray Sherrill. But if but, that had been the other way around, if that was the other way around and Taylor Hall had gone to New Jersey and New Jersey had just taken off and they made the yeah. playoffs and the Oilers miss again, everybody's probably pointing out the same thing that they're doing in Montreal. You can have the conversation then. It didn't happen. And, and, and the reasons might have been similar for the trades. But I, I don't think so. I mean, maybe he fits in. I mean, that's why you make trades, right? I mean, you have needs. Uh, lots of times you have needs. I mean, I think Montreal felt that they needed to be tougher, and they did. Weber's tougher. He's bigger. He's stronger. He has a better shot. He's not nearly as exciting. And you, it's pretty easy to make the argument that the Predators were far better than the Montreal Canadiens at the time. The Predators have been on the cusp of doing very well with such a solid defense and a great goaltender for a number of years. I think... People are surprised that the Predators are in the Western Conference Finals. Um, but I think it's more from a lack of knowledge because I don't know too many people that saw any more than 15 minutes of the Predators play this year. Who sees them? Who's out? Whoever sees them. Right? Nobody sees them. So you just assume that, wow, are they ever good? But, you know, they've been good for a long time and close. They needed a, a, a quick puck-moving defenseman and... I think he filled the need. I, well, and what's amazing with the Predators, I mean, just to interrupt you for one second, is they've got Ryan Ellis, uh, Freelton. Good Freelton kid. kid. Yep, yep, great player on their blue line. They've got P.K. Subban now back on their blue line. They gave away Seth Jones. They traded away. I mean, you look at, and I can't remember who the fourth guy is now, uh, um, Yossi. Um, but you look at their blue line. And you realize that those that could be their top four. That would be that would be arguably you could make an argument that would be the best top four relative to the rest of the league since the seventies Canadians with Lapointe and Robinson and uh, and Savard. That's how much the games changed. Eh? Like Ellis and Subban, neither one of them are big monsters. No, they can skate and they're great puck moving defensemen. And when you put the two of that, I was sitting there watching the game the other day with my son, and we just commented that on the power play when you have those two guys on the point who can both just blast it, which is what what happens in the modern NHL. Everybody crashes to the net and you put the puck back to the blue line and just let somebody wire it from the middle of the uh, middle of the rink. You're right. Th- uh, your comment, though, think about who they who they don't have now. They got rid of Seth Jones yeah. and, and, and Shea Weber, who's been on all of the Team Canada's, 
And now uh, Weber, you got Subban for, but they they gave they gave Seth Jones to get Johansson because they wanted some scoring. But I'm yeah. just and it's worked out for them. He scored their winning goal last game. Um, but nonetheless, it's just you look at this team and you go, this defense could be an, one of the all time great defensive units. But I mean, that, still, but that's not new. And you got a good goalie, right? That's not new. Who did they let go? That went to Minnesota out of uh, Nashville as well when he was either got traded or a free agent. Was it Suter? No. Yes. Was it Suter? Suter wasn't there in Nashville, was he? But no, no they've, they've had a bu- they've had a bunch of guys. But let's go back for a second though to the to the the Bergevin thing and the Subban thing because you say it's not a a measuring stick really. But if you were Mark, you've you've been a guy who's been involved in hockey. You've made deals. You've signed guys. You've let guys go. Do you think Mark Bergevin is sitting in his home, though, praying that Subban is going to be knocked out of the playoffs? Not personally, I mean his team, because he knows how this is going to look to the fans? Well, I don't think he's cheering for Nashville. That's for damn sure. I don't know if he's praying that but do you think they general manager? Do you think general managers care what the fans think? They care what the owner thinks, and if the owner listens to the fans, he's concerned about what the fans think. You know, they tell you they don't read the paper and they don't listen to talk radio and, and so on. I don't believe it. You, you know they do. I know they do. I've, seen, I've, I've had people on Bulldogs teams past, especially the AHL team, I've had people tell me they never read the paper, and yet the day that I write something that's not complimentary to them is the day they're scowling at me as I walk out. It's like, well, that's odd that you don't read the paper, but the, ha- the one day you were in a bad mood towards me was the one day I said something yes. unpleasant. Of course they do, and of course Bergeron's very much aware of it because, you know, that, that trade was to take them to the next level and it didn't work out as well as they wanted it to, uh, but they couldn't score. I, I see, I, I'm with you. I think that, I think that Mark Bergevin and any general manager is paying very close attention to this. I think he's very acutely aware of what the public sentiment is about this. And I think that Mark Bergevin's absolute nightmare would be for PK Subban to get to the Stanley cup finals and score a big goal. It would be the nightmare of nightmares for him because the only way you compensate for that is to win a Stanley Cup with your team. And I don't think Montreal looks like they're close to winning a Stanley Cup. We were talking about the Raptors a few minutes ago. I don't think the Canadians are close unless Carey Price goes completely out of his mind. And and yep, and yep, you need the great goaltending, as you've seen. And, and some teams don't have it. Look at the depth of the goaltending of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Their number one goalie gets hurt and their backup's now... Runner with it. Now, their backup arguably is the best backup in the National Hockey League. So, goaltending matters. The thing that will drive Bergeron absolutely nuts is if the um, Nashville Predators, and I'm sure NBC are praying for Nashville Ottawa final or an Edmonton <laughs> Ottawa final. If <laughs> yeah. the Nashville Predators win the Stanley Cup and, and PK Subban wins the Con Smythe, and then you bring, may find him in the fetal position if that happens. And then brings the Stanley Cup to the P.K. Subban wing of the hospital he donated <laughs> money to in Montreal. No, I, look, I, I hey, think... Uh, uh, Phil Kessel did that Phil Kessel, now, in Toronto. The difference was Phil Kessel, I don't believe, was... I mean, he may have done it to... I, I, I mean, I'll give Phil Kessel the benefit of that. He brought the cup last year back and brought it to the kids' hospital in Toronto. But Phil Kessel was not the kind of personality that when he was traded away from Toronto, there was gnashing of teeth and weeping. He was not a beloved figure in Toronto like P.K. Subban was in Montreal. Phil Kessel diff- was a superstar when he was in Toronto. The problem, the reason he got so much negative press is because he didn't act the way the Toronto media want the superstars to act. He's not particularly media friendly. He doesn't have great lines. He doesn't want to be bothered. He just wants to play. That's why the perfect fit in Pittsburgh. Nobody talks to him. 
No, uh, although I will say that Phil Kessel had one other flaw that was there, and it was that half the time he didn't look like he was terribly interested. When he wanted to play, he could play. When he didn't really look like he wanted to play, he he's one of those guys that can really look on the ice like he's not interested in playing. Yeah, he, but when he, if he if he has games like that in Pittsburgh, they just insert another good player. Right. When you're the star, the star, and you look disinterested, you stands out. For that's you. right. No, no. So he, you're, you're absolutely right. But look, I, I'm I really wonder too how much the Canadians' ownership not. I'm talking about Jeff Molson, not Michael Andlauer, who's a minor minor ownership. Jeff Molson, if you're in Montreal, you cannot help but hear the chatter. It is overriding everything. It is Montreal Canadiens is, think of, and I mean, people who have been there, but I mean, think of the Blue Jays in 2015 when they were heading towards the playoffs. You could not have a conversation with anyone anywhere in Southern Ontario without it being about the Blue Jays. Yep. That's what it's like for the Montreal Canadiens. So Jeff Molson, who owns the team, he hears all the stuff. And the longer P.K. Subban goes on, the more he is hearing. What a horrible trade that was. Well, Whether he believes it or not is up to him. Now, the guys in the media who may not have been P.K. Subban, you're in the business, so you fall a little closer than I do, may not have been huge uh, P.K. Subban fans, but if they're not Bergeron fans, they're really drilling them with it. Like the writers, their talk radio. If you're, if you want a reason to slam Bergeron, you're all over PK Subban right now. Just patting your case to say, give us another general manager that can do the job. Like if he's annoyed some guys down there, boy, some guys in the media can be cruel. Well, and there's one other thing and they that, take great glee in it. There's one other thing that he's got to hope for. I really believe this. I don't. I don't think that this kind of thing this year, this off season, gets a guy fired. But let's say for a second that the National Predators were to win the Stanley Cup. And at this point, they're going to be one of the last four teams, and I would I would favor them against whoever is going to win the Anaheim-Edmonton series. I think they are the better. They're playing better, and they have the hottest goalie right now. And, uh, you know, if it's against, well, any team from the East, I wouldn't dislike their chances. If they win the Stanley Cup, and the quotes that come out of the Nashville players and coaches and ownership is P.K. Subban was such an integral part of our dressing room and he brought such leadership and he was such a huge part of what made us go, which is the exact opposite commentary that Montreal's people were saying all along that we kept hearing that P.K. Subban was a trouble in the dressing room and he was an issue. If it comes back that they're doing well and they credit Subban with being that glue in the dressing room, boy, that's another one that looks really awkward for the Canadians. Well, yeah, and you know what? Part part and parcel will come out and play. The, I think the if uh, Weber was uh, really well liked in the room and very popular, I don't think you'll see the Predator players say that because it would be disrespectful to Weber. But if Weber wasn't all that popular, they could praise uh, PK Subban just as a shot. As a shot, yeah, so, could so be. there'll be a lot of things that'll play into it. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. There was an announcement on the weekend that we've known is coming for a while. Uh, the Hamilton Tidecats, Bob Young, are starting a new, helping to start a new soccer league. They are one of the two inaugural teams, Toronto and Winnipeg. It is going to be not the level of Premier League or Bundesliga or any of those teams over in Europe. It's not going to be the level of Major League Soccer in Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver. It's going to be an pretty much all Canadian 
soccer league. On a scale of one to 10, what kind of optimism would you have that this will be a raging success? 10 being the most, one being the least. Define raging. Uh, Let's take out the raging. Let's just say a success, period. I, I, I think there's a better chance for a league like this to succeed now than there ever has been. I mean, they used to be on uh, global TV and, you know, there was all kind. the Toronto blizzard. Um, Brian Budd. Brian Budd. Yep. Yep. Budgie. He's, uh, he became famous. It's, it's, I think now with soccer and some 800,000 kids playing the game, the fact that our country is as multicultural as it is, I don't think there's been a better chance for lacrosse to, or uh, soccer to succeed than right now. And if they're if they're being backed by the owners of the CFL teams who already have substantial marketing teams in place, um, you know, they, they know the game of sports, they're successful at it, I think that is a tremendous formula for success. Do I think Tim Horton Field is going to be sold out from day one? No. Ron Foxcroft bought, brought basketball to Hamilton and was wildly successful in the city. Uh, tremendous group he had himself surrounded with, but they drew really well. The problem is you don't want to be just the only good franchise in the league or it doesn't work. So I think they're taking their time, and I would give them a real good shot at finding success, and success is not based on selling out Tim Horton Field every night. Here's the, here's the reason I have far less optimism than you do on this one. Because Hamilton has shown repeatedly and consistently that it is not happy to be a minor league city. It is not happy to be a city that is hosting teams or owning teams that are a step down from the big leagues. The Hamilton Bulldogs and the AHL were always in competition with the Toronto Maple Leafs and everyone looked at it and went, well, it's not the NHL. The basketball team you talk about with Ron Foxcroft did pretty well. They had issues with the arena more than anything, but it was not the Raptors. The Hamilton Cardinals, the baseball team, most people don't even know they exist. Let's be honest. The Redbirds. The Red. Well, they were the Redbirds. Now they're Cardinals. Uh, the uh, and they've been other things. The Thunderbirds as well, and everything. And this, I look at, I go, you you have an you have an MLS soccer. You have international superstars. You have Michael Bradley making five million dollars a year down the road in Toronto. I just don't see people saying, "Oh yeah, I'm really excited about a level way below that." Well, I think I I, I think their only ch- chance, and I I agree, nobody wants to be a, a second rate city, and and that's and have not have the very best. Because it's always that Toronto is bigger than us mentality, and now you're just feeding it again. Well, we, I mean, we have the same Toronto envy as Canada does to the U.S., I think. I mean, it's a, probably it's a fair comparison. But I think there's enough grassroots soccer here, and, and since soccer has taken off, and it has, I mean, there's soccer fields everywhere now. And when I was a kid, which was some 320 years ago, there were no soccer fields. I mean, we played soccer at school once in a while. But there's no soccer. There's soccer everywhere now. So if the grassroots, and they don't have to go to 40 games, I'm guessing they're going to have to go to 8 to 10 games. They're not going to play an enormous schedule. And they're playing against CFL, and I think that's part of the rub and part of the sell is, you know, it's not um, 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 Toronto FC, but you know what? Winnipeg has a team, and all the other teams 
that are in the CFL have teams. If it was gonna, if they were gonna put a team in, and Guelph was gonna have a team, and Windsor were gonna have a team, they'd be going, "Oh boy, who cares about this?" But if you get Winnipeg in, and if you get Montreal in, you can throw Halifax in, as long as they're major cities, and you know where you are in the pecking order. Kids that play soccer and soccer coaches will want to go. I don't think... Except the kids that will be playing soccer will be playing soccer the nights the games they're on. You have to have a fan base that is beyond kids' soccer. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, we don't, uh, even at the real McCoy level, and I learned this this from the uh, president of the Oilers, that you don't go marketing your hockey team to minor hockey associations and think that's where you're going to dine out and find a great deal of your success because if you've got uh, a boy and a girl playing hockey... You're at the rink five nights a week. The last thing you're doing is come to a real McCoy game. We'll get the grandfathers to come. but So you got to pick your battles, and you're right. There's going to be an awful lot of soccer played, and picking the right time will be good. And if you can get minor hockey so, or minor soccer associations to kind of take a look at their schedule before they do the kids' schedule, it might be helpful. We got we got one minute here. Can you, if you're the Tie Cats, if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, assuming I don't know if the Winnipeg, I don't know if it's the Blue Bombers who are, I can't remember if they were the, in the ownership or I not. Believe but they're involved. If you're the Tie Cats, can you set it up so that if you want to buy season tickets for the Tie Cats, you're basically on the hook to buy season tickets for the football team, for the soccer team? Pardon me. I don't know. The MLS uh, E did that with Raptor tickets and Leaf Early tickets. On, if yeah. you want these two gold Leaf tickets. You're buying two Raptor tickets, and they did it. I don't think the Ticats can pull out. I don't think you can either. I don't think that would work. So that means it's going to have to be individually, uniquely enticing for people to come. And I think you will maybe entice two or 3,000 people to come. I just I can't envision a day when you're going to have ten or fifteen or twenty thousand people down at Tim Hortons Field for this level. Maybe for a, an exhibition, you know, a friendly against TFC or something, maybe. Maybe, but on a regular, consistent basis, I I just don't see it. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHA.